Hello, 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 and welcome to Real Conversations. I hope all is well. I pray all is well. And if it is not, trust and believe that it can and it will get better. So now I'm going to answer the question that I received from my wisdom community. And basically the question was... What is the hardest part of, you know, the spiritual awakening? And I answered this question by saying everything. I, I can't pick. I can't pick one specific um, step that is more difficult than the other. Because your emotions the way you feel are in different places so initially when you are going through a spiritual transformation and awakening you know you will have that shock factor and then as the shock wears off and uh you go through the realization and then you start to uh make the shift and then you start to um you know, put those things into practice. And then, you know, you will finally get to a space where you feel like, oh, like, like you feel the relief, right? So um, I'm going to just go through a couple of steps. And there's another part, but I'm going to probably save that for part three. Because like I said, that's a lot of information, right? So, um Understand, you're going to have those deja vu moments. You will have your intuition uh, will be heightened. You become sensitive. Uh, Your dreams will become more vivid. And, you know, you will start to see people, the world. You will start to uh, reevaluate the people, places, and things in your life, right? So this is where we are. So uh, you will feel disconnected. That is you you have to you have to be separated you have to be separated and you have to somewhat be isolated you have to feel alone you have to learn to sit and be alone with your thoughts and your feelings and you have to be able to be in a space to receive the messages that's that intuition receive the information that's being sent to you that's given to you So the people, places, and things, this is why you can't go around them. You don't feel like you fit in. You don't feel right. You you feel like you you literally feel annoyed. You know, you feel like, why am I here? What am I doing here? You know, you don't, not that you don't like the people, places, and things. You just don't, you just don't, it's not sitting well with you anymore. The things that you used to do. You don't enjoy those things anymore. The things that, you know, you used to talk about, those things don't, um, they, you know, you, you don't really care to entertain any of that. So you start to reevaluate your beliefs. And see, here's the thing with beliefs. A lot of us grew up with toxic and unhealthy beliefs, you know, those, um, family structures, um, you know, just all of the things that you have 
that has been ingrained in you from a child. You grow up because in those, think about it, you know, as a child, you mimic, you know, your environment. You mimic the things around you or the people around you until you can figure out, okay, what is this? What is that? And then you learn. So like a cat, if a baby see a cat, they'll crawl around and roll around like a cat. You know, they don't, they know it's a, they, they don't know what it's called, but they just know the behaviors of the cat, right? So you pick up on those things and certain things that you pick up from the people in your lives become your beliefs, you know, like for instance, I'm from a Caribbean culture and you know, my mother was a stickler. Oh, you know, Saturday was, you got to get up, you got to go do the laundry, you got to clean the house, you got to do this. That's the day for food shopping. That's the day for, you know, Saturday was that day. Sunday was supposed to be, you know, the day where you got up, you you made breakfast, you had a big dinner. Uh, even though we weren't like a close-knit family uh, in terms of sitting down at the table and eating together and praying together or possibly going to church. You know, she had a lot of Caribbean things embedded in me. Uh, and I'm to believe it, believe it or not, I'm still that way today. Like I, I, you know, I'm stickler for cleaning my house. I'm a stickler for, you know, having a big Sunday breakfast and a big Sunday dinner. Um, that's, you know, that's something that has been ingrained in me because, you know, we've been busy running around all week. You know, during the week, you don't really get a good, adequate breakfast or a meal. Um, I do cook throughout the week. You know, I do because, you know, my people, they like to eat. In my house, they, in my house, they like to eat. And, you know, and my, and my honey love, he, he works really hard. So, you know, I always make sure he has a good lunch and he always has a good dinner. As he said, I don't care what you make as long as it's hot and good. You know, so we, you know, we have these beliefs and we have these things that we grow up with and we don't question it. We don't know why we do it. We just do it because this is what we were taught to do. And a lot of the times you will hear people say, oh, well, this is how I was raised. You know, this is this is who I am because this is how I was raised. Okay, but at some point you don't question anything. You don't feel that. There's things that need to be changed or uh, things that you can do better, things that you could improve on, uh, things that old beliefs that you need to shed and old narratives that you need to shed. Um, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. They conform to the norms, what they think is the norms of the things that they suppose they should be doing, you know? And that's one of the biggest components of the awakening is because you, you, you get to a point where you realize that you start, you have to question certain things. Well, why is this? And why is that? And why do we do this? And why do we have to do that? And, you know, you have to question some things and people think, you know, that's, that's scary for me. That is scary for me because Again, um, go back and listen to any of my podcasts. You know, I was, my mother was the narcissist. You know, she's still alive, thank God. You know, she was, she is a narcissist. She's calmed down. She's a lot better now because she's aged. She can't be as angry and crazy as she used to be, you know. Um, 
but she has her little moments, right? So, but I love her dearly. That's my mom. I don't play about my mom. So, you know, she was, I, I learned through therapy that she was a narcissist, is, is a narcissist. I keep saying was, like in past tense, but she has changed a lot. So, you know, she had, I'll just say this. She has some narcissistic tendencies, right? And so because I was raised uh, in that type of dynamic, I became very empathetic. I became very sympathetic because of the personality disorder and that type of dysfunction. I, and I still do have a soft spot for people with mental illnesses, people who, um, you know, have, you know, certain type of, you know, not that I had, not that I should, because I learned not that I should, but I realized that because of that, because of the way I was raised and the dysfunction, that it, it, I learned how to have a high tolerance or a high threshold to handle and withstand and deal with abuse. Hence, why I ended up in a very unhealthy and toxic situationship with a narcissist and I stayed with that narcissist for far too long even when I knew I should have left does that make sense to you uh because again I was unaware like I said I didn't know about narcissism I didn't know how in-depth it was but in therapy I learned like okay now I was able to correlate and put together the the similarities in how the relationship with my mother was similar to the relationship with the narcissist that I was with. It's just that this one was on an intimate level. But because I had a high threshold, like I said, I have a big heart. I have a loving heart. I have a patient heart. I'm kind. I'm, you know, I I can see through um, and I understand people's uh, issues. So rather than looking at it as being abused, I looked at it like, okay, I'm just going to, I know that this person is bipolar. I know this person is uh, nuts. So I know this person Like you know, you, you overlook all of those things and you in turn are being abused and you can tolerate the abuse, even though it's not right, but those are the patterns. And so now you start to question your beliefs and you're like, wait a minute, you know, because narcissists groom you to deal. It's a, it's a difference. And I wouldn't even say raised, they groom you. Because of the codependency, narcissists groom you to deal with the abuse. And so they do it in a way that they don't, you don't think it's abuse. But once you become aware, right, and once you start to question things, and once you start to, you know, you go through that realization phase, you realize that it is a lot of manipulative and coercive abuse. So all of those beliefs and things that you learn growing up and you don't question, because here's the thing, narcissists don't want you to ask questions. 
It is do as you are told. Do what I tell you to do. I am the authority figure. Don't ask me anything. I'm going to tell you and you're going to do it. And if you don't do it, I'm going to abuse you or beat you or manipulate you or coerce you into submission. So you in turn, you don't have your own thoughts. You don't have your own beliefs. You don't have your own ideas because they groom you to put that aside and to make you not be an individual, a free thinker. You see how the codependency intertwines in that? So the narcissist grooms you to be codependent on them, but they are also codependent on you. And this is why the whole dynamic is dysfunctional. Believe it or not. So when you go through this spiritual awakening, you literally realize and you look at your life. You look at your habits. You look at your behaviors. You look at your relationships. You look at the old things that were passed down from generation to generation and you're like wait a minute we're all like this you know and it's hard they, they call it generational curses but it's generational patterns of abuse and so you know once I said like I said I went to therapy and I saw how the narcissist that I was dealing with was literally just like his father. As much as he despised his father, he was just like his father. The only difference, the only difference is that he never put his hands on me. His father was very abusive. He liked to beat women. He liked to, you know, he was very physically abusive, verbally abusive, very nasty, very aggressive like that. And so that's the only credit that I would ever give to the narcissist is the fact that he never put his hands on me. Everything else he did, but he never physically hit me or abused me in that way. Thank God. Uh, But then again, maybe, and I hate to say this, but maybe he should have hit me. I probably would have left a long time ago. But let me get back to what I'm saying. So the first step is, you know, in your spiritual awakening, after you go through all of, you know, your, like I said, your intuition, all of those things kick in. Now it's like, okay, that traumatic experience happened in your life. And let me just go back. Let me just name a few. So usually... You encounter a spiritual awakening when a couple of things happen. Like I said, it has to be some type of traumatic life life event. You either have a near-death experience. You'll, you will either have some sort of uh, nervous breakdown. You know, like they say, like mental, you know, like a depression. You have anxiety. Uh, you, you know, like a pandemic, which we experience. You know, some type of war or something big on that scale. A divorce, a car accident. You would have, you know, some type of life-threatening illness like cancer or something like that where, you know, you literally are praying to God that you survive, right? So those are usually things. Or someone close to you passes away. 
uh, you know, or you witness something traumatic. Those are usually times where you would, you know, that's when you as you would realize how fragile life is. And then you start to say, okay, something got to change, right? So, so you start to question everything. Everything that you thought you knew, you start to question. And then that's when you start to come to realization of some things. And then this part right here, they call it the dark night of the soul, which is the ego death. This part is where a lot of people struggle because a lot of people, believe it or not, we all have ego. We, we, we all do. But others, they are driven by their ego. And it's hard for them to let that go and no longer allow the ego to control them. And so when you go through the dark night of the soul, this is the part where you literally have to strip away all aspects of the ego, meaning you have to literally hit rock bottom because sometimes people have to hit rock bottom in order to realize that they have to make changes. Now, understand something. God, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, they would get, they would, you would get messages. You would get signs and synchronicities. You would go through things and, you know, let's say, for instance, you were in a car accident and you're like, and you survived, right? And you're like, oh my God, thank you, God, thank you. I made it, I made it, I made it. But you don't adhere to the message, meaning, like, let's say you're a drunk, you know, you're driving while intoxicated and you are in an accident and you survive. Most people will stop drinking. Like, that's the lesson. Like, stop drinking and driving. You know, have one drink or have no drinks. Or, like, you know, do whatever it is you need to do not to drink and drive, to be so intoxicated that you get into an accident, right? Now, you don't learn the lesson. And you, let's say, for instance, God forbid, you injure somebody or you hurt somebody. Now you you have possibly taken somebody's life or you have done something to alter somebody else's life. You didn't learn the lesson. So now you went back because you survived and you figure, oh, you think you're invincible. That's that ego. You, you think you're invincible. You think that nothing is ever going to happen to you. You think that you're always going to get away with it. You think that you're always going to be saved. Or you just think like, you know, you're just oblivious and you, you think you are in control. Understand, we are never in control. There's always the higher power or something or some other force that is in control. Right? So now you don't learn the lesson. So now you get into another accident. And again, you possibly either hurt yourself or you hurt somebody else or whatever it is. Or, you know, probably somebody, like I said, passes away. And what happens now? Now you have someone who lost a life. You have a whole entire family, community, people, whatever, hurt, damaged, um, devastated, uh, affected by your, your poor judgment. Right? 
then you also have to face the possibility of going to jail. Vehicular homicide, manslaughter, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's just, there's always, 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 always a cause and effect. And if you are operating from the ego, you don't think about anybody else. It's all about you. So in the dark night of the soul, this is where you have to literally hit rock bottom and you have to lose it all sometimes. You have to lose everything. So for me, when I was going through my dark night of the soul, I was literally at the point where I was done with the narcissist, right? The narcissist refused to leave my house. And I was just sitting and praying and contemplating, what is my next step? What am I going to do? Because I already done passed the realization stage. I already, like I said, I was, I, I already knew what I was dealing with. And so now that I had to face reality and, and realize what it was I was dealing with, now I had to go through that dark night of the soul because I hit rock bottom. And I was ready and willing to leave everything behind. When I tell you I was wrestling with myself because I kept saying, this is my apartment. This is my home. Why should I have to disrupt my life, my children? Why should I have to leave? Like, you know, ego. Ego. I, 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 I don't want to. He should leave it. And I said, you know something? One, like one day I literally sat and I said, you know something? I've been in a position where I had to start over from scratch. Literally from nothing. Like, it's nothing for me to move and to possibly sleep on the floor and get an air mattress and, you know, build myself back up, buy all the things that I need to buy. It's nothing. These are material things. These are worldly things. I'm willing to risk it all. I'm willing to leave it all behind just so that I can get my peace. Just so that I can get my sanity. Just so that I can have my mind back, have my life back. Because I lost myself in that situationship with the narcissist. And when I say I lost myself, I did not recognize who I was. Because the person that I am, the person that I know myself to be, I would have never dealt with that. I would have never put up with that. But they always say never stay never. Because I woke up one day and I was like, how the hell did I get here? I'm telling you, I used to sit outside on my deck and I used to have a glass of wine. And every now and then I would listen, I would puff, puff and just look up into the sky and say, you know, this is not my life. I did, I'm not, this is, I'm not, this is not my life. I don't know whose life I'm living, but this shit ain't mine. And I had to sit and have an ego death. And go through the dark night of the soul. And hit rock bottom. Now trust me, I had been at rock bottom before because understand something. We, dealing with him because he was unable to keep a job and because he was very unstable. Up to this day, I still don't, I I don't even know how, why. You know, uh, like I said, he wasn't helping me pay any bills. He wasn't helping me pay any rent. And, you know, we were always behind on bills, struggling, 
uh, eviction notices. I mean, like, it was crazy. It was crazy to live that life because that's not my life. And it wasn't that I wasn't paying my rent. It was just that I was the one having to do everything. And it wasn't enough. And if you understand something with narcissists, narcissists, they drain you financially. They block your blessings. I'm telling you, they block your blessings. They do. And so once I went through that dark night of the soul to willing just to be able to strip and lose everything. And this is why I said I resonate so much with the story of Job. Because Job did nothing wrong. Job literally lost everything. But he still remained faithful. You see? So, after, after you go through the dark night of the soul, the next stage, they call it the sponge stage. And this is where you... Uh, You made it through the ego death. You made it through the ego death. But you're still not in the clear, but you made it through the ego death. Because now that you have experienced the ego death, now you start to, now that you're awake, you know, you, you, you're not in that dream anymore. You're not in that illusion. You're not a part of that fantasy. You are awake now you realize that you are new and improved. That you have this, it's like this spark or something that just kind of just comes over you. And you start to explore. And you start to find new ways and new things and new new thinking, new ideas. And you start to do things differently. And, you know, this is like the trial and error process, you know. And um, you kind of figure out new hobbies and you know, you, you find who you are and what you like. Because again, you shed your beliefs. The things that you learned as a child, the things that you learned as an adolescent, and the things that you possibly have learned as an adult. The things that you were taught. The things that you were groomed. And the things that was embedded in you throughout your life. You are now shedding those things. And now you're like a sponge. You're absorbing all this new energy. And you're finding out who you are, your likes, your wants, your desires, your needs. Now you start to begin to understand that your spirit is aligned. Because understand, any time that you are, this is why they say any time that you feel lost, that's because you, 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 you just lost. You just don't really understand. You don't know. But once you go through the ego death and once you get to the sponge stage, sponge stage, this is when you start to feel like, okay, you know, things are starting to open up for me. Things are starting to move along. Things are starting to get more clear. Now I feel like myself because I'm thinking for myself. I'm thinking on a level that resonates with who I am. And who I need to be. You're finding your purpose. You're finding you. And you can't find you. If you are living. With old 
ways and old thinking and things that are outdated. And this is why if you ever heard the term people say, uh, the way my parents was raised, I can't raise my kids that way. Because the times have changed. Things change. People grow. People evolve. You know, listen. You know, my granddaughter is four years old. And and when I tell you she could work a phone, she could work a phone. You you see what I'm saying? Times change. She may not know, you know, now she she know the passcode to my phone and everything. Hold on, Gammy, let me get your phone. And she poop, 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 poop. And she put my passcode in. Four. So times change. You can't raise your children, even yourself, the same way that you were raised. It's not going to work. Those ideals, those principles, those techniques, those tactics are outdated. And then once you become aligned with your spirit, they call it the Sotaru self. You start to see your true self. You start to see how amazing you are. You start to see how dope you are. You start to say, oh my God, like what? Now you understand who you are because now you are embodying all of the things that you're becoming through your gifts, through your talents, through your time, through your skills. Because you have now went through that sponge stage and you're starting to learn. It's like a it's like a rebirth. Do you see how that works? It's like a rebirth. You're exploring now. You're out. You want to go places. You want to do things. You want to, you know, you want to experience this new life. You want to see what more, what life has to offer. You want to see what's in store for you. And so now when you start to really become and you start to walk on this path, you will see your true self. And this is with the glow, they call it the glow up. You, 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 the glow up, you know, you start taking care of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, you'll start to make better choices and decisions about your life. The people who you deal with, the places that you go now, you are literally walking in your true authenticity. So now the next stage. And this takes time. Um, This is where you actually build the life that you want for yourself. So now, like I said, you go through the sponge stage, you absorb things. Then you start to come into who you are. And then now, because you've kind of fiddled through what works for you and what what hasn't worked for you, you get to that point and and you say, you know what? Now I, I, I got it. Now I have it down pat. And now you're you're now you can thrive and you can, you know, you're you're flowing and your growth and you're evolving and you're healing. Now this can take years. So you have to be patient with yourself. You have to uh practice, put these things into practice, and that's through prayer, that's through meditation, that's through reading and writing and journaling going to therapy, doing all of the things that you need to do to keep you in alignment of who you are and where you want to go. Because healing is linear. No, healing is not linear. You will have setbacks. You will have moments and times and things that will derail you. But if you put these things into practice, if you are intentional, 
because you've done so much work and because you've come so far, you won't want to give up so easily, right? So like I said, this time, this, this stage takes time, but now you're, you're kind of like good at it, right? You're good at it and you set those boundaries and you set those standards, you see? And because you've set those boundaries and you set those standards, now you get to a point where you can surrender. You start, you, and when I tell you, you will release anything that is holding you back from your truth. You, you hear what I said? Your truth. Anything that is holding you back from your truth, you will release. And this is when you will fully step into your power because nobody can tell you shit because you have done the work. You have done all that you needed to do to get you where you needed to be. And that, like I said, this takes work. This is why a lot of people don't ever, some people don't experience a spiritual awakening because it's too hard. It's too much work. You have to be disciplined. You have to have a level of self-control. You have to have patience. Along with all the other things that come along with it. But you have to do this every day. And the problem is, when you do this, when you when you start to do this and work in, you know, walk on this path, you're going to lose people, you're going to lose friends, you're going to lose family. Like I said, you have to be willing to lose everything. Any and everything, you have to be willing to lose it. And some people, they just want to be a part of. You know, they still want to be a part of the community. They still want to be a part of the clique. They still want to be a part of that toxic and unhealthy family structure or dynamics. They still want to stay at those dead-end jobs because it's comfortable because it's secure for them or they feel like you know this this is all I they don't want to step out on faith and so a lot of people refuse to go through their spiritual awakening and that's why they suffer and so you know you leave people when you start to serve you leave people right where they are and then that 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 takes me to my my next um part of this. So now once you get to your surrender stage, you have a better understanding of self, your lifestyle, and you have a better understanding of people. Because you now are so aware, you know, now you live a life where you are content. You are at peace. You have grace, you have clarity, you have understanding, you have wisdom, you have knowledge because of all the things that you have went through. And now, because you have experienced that, you live a life of service. You live a life of contentment. And you can pass on the information, the things that you... You can pass that on to your children, the people who... Because trust me, people ask me all the time. They're like, oh my God, you... You know, and they're like, they, they, it confuses them. When I say I'm at peace, I'm at peace. And I'm not going to let anybody interrupt that. So I live a life of service. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I pray with people all the time. I, I randomly check up and, you know, send people text messages. Uh, you know, I, I do my podcasting. I am a life coach. I'm a mentor. I, I'm, I'm a mentor for a whole women's group. You know, we meet regularly. Excuse me. We we meet regularly. Regularly. We meet in person, uh, sometimes due to the weather and due to the distance and, you know, everybody being in different places. You know, sometimes we have our online, um, you know, group chats and things like that, that, you know, we talk, you know, catch up with each other. But, you know, I, I, I'm a, I live a life of service. And any time that anybody asks me and they stop, I always try to leave somebody with a positive message, a positive outlook. Because understand something. People will always remember what you said, what you did, and how you treated them. People will never forget those things. That's why it's important to give love. Give love. Because when you are a person who lives with a life of service, trust me, your reward is not going to come from those people. You understand that your spirit, your heart, your soul is in alignment. And you know where your abundance comes from. You know where your blessings come from. You know where your strength, your courage, your healing. You know where it comes from. This whole awakening process does not come from people. It does not come from money. This is why you can't buy this. It comes from the higher powers. It comes from the higher source. And so many people misunderstand this concept and they try to surround themselves with worldly things. And this is why they are never fully content. They're not happy. They can't experience joy, peace, love, harmony. And this is why they're always looking and searching in people, places and things, alcohol, drugs, Whatever it is to fill the void, sex, whatever it is to fill the void, because they are refusing to go through their spiritual awakening. It's not easy. Let me tell you, it's not easy, but it can be done through, like I said, prayer, meditation, mindfulness, Gratitude. I wake up every day with a heart filled with gratitude. Let me just say, I wish that I didn't have to go through some of the things that I went through. But when I tell you, now that I'm in this space, looking back, I understand that I had to go through everything that I went through to now be in this space. When I say to be in this space, when I tell you it's not a day that don't go by that I don't shed a tear. 
And it's not a tear because of the pain that I went through. Not because of the hurt. Not because of the abuse. Not because of issues with family and friends. No. I had to go through everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent. But one thing that always remained was the love in my heart. And because of that, when I tell you God has blessed me in so many ways, the abundance of his blessings continue to rain on me. That when I tell you I literally fall to my knees and I cry and I surrender to God and I said, you know what? I understand why I had to remain faithful. I'm speaking this because I'm telling you from what I know, from my personal experience. This is why I give back. This is why I talk to people. This is why I do all of what I do. Because I know who I'm working for. I know the assignment that he gave me. And I understand that God put me in people's lives. God put me in people's lives for a reason. Even though these people hurt me, broke me, betrayed me, lied on me, all of the things that they did. God put me in their lives for a reason. And I'm so grateful that he did. So this is part two of the spiritual awakening. I will be back with a part three. Maybe not today, but I will be back with a part three. Wishing you nothing but love and light. Stay blessed.